We are going to be doing a weekly Bible study. The first one will be at around 11.30. We will send it out to you. It will be on King at King's website, and it will also be sent via email. So if you have a computer or, of course, even a phone, and you haven't given the church your email, you can call in, and happily, Jill will be back from vacation, and she will just love to take that email of yours. In any case, you still can get it on our website. The first week will be at 11.30 that it will be sent to you. And I will be doing the readings of, this is March 23rd on Monday, and the readings are going to be from Acts 9, 1 through 20, and Isaiah 59, 9 through 19. Again, Acts 9, 1 through 20, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 9 through 19. And we will send you on the first email and maybe even during the week again, all of the listings of the readings. And they really are very beautiful and we'll spend a little time on it. If we get sophisticated enough, I would love for you to text me questions for the next day and we can answer some of those. But I think we'll hold off on that until next week. So there is a lot to say about what's going on in the world. And I know that you've heard enough to have your cup runneth over. We continue to live in an uncomfortable situation. We continue to trust in God to be with us and journey with us through this time. Your church is journeying with you too. And now, when I turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 9, 1 through 41. Again, it's a long gospel, so now it's time to sit and open our hearts and ears to the Word of God. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That he was born blind, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud with his saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and he washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg, someone was saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept saying, asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. 
They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes. Then I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? 
Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have not sinned. But now you say, We see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Just to remind all of you, we still are in that Lenten journey. We still are in that time that we step back and take a look. But oh boy, what a journey we're all on. Now, I don't know about you, but I tell myself, I'm not afraid. I'm totally cool with all this because I'm not always doing the right thing. I've washed my hands 20 times already today. I don't go anywhere except that I'm here. I don't do anything except that I was here last week. And we continue to like fool ourselves that we're the perfect ones who will never, ever get a disease, such a horrible disease as COVID-19. We might even think that somehow during this Lenten time that this is the devil, that the devil has waved over everything, causing chaos in the whole world. No, I don't think so. I think it was the bats. Jesus rejected for himself all the power that was not from God and showed us how to to be looking and trusting God and God's saving words for us. Our second Sunday, we looked at Nicodemus, who, attracted to the light, comes out of, the, the, out of his home and goes in to see Jesus through the darkness that no one knows. He comes to Jesus by night. Jesus tells Nicodemus that to know God, one must be born again from above. Our third Sunday, we looked at the woman at the well, where Jesus reveals to the woman her brokenness and her past, and offers himself as a living water to rise out of the center of her person. And she was amazed. All of the scenes that we have looked at are representations of our journey in the realization of our baptism. We are dead to knowing God in many ways, but we are brought to life through Jesus' words and encounter with us. It's given to us as a gift during Lent, to immerse ourselves in these words and to understand the life of Christ, to understand the death and the resurrection and why it is. Our journeys are familiar in the sense that we have also been tempted, every one of us, almost daily. But for Jesus, he is tempted and reviles the tempter. We are familiar with waking up in the middle of the night, searching God to get the answers that we need. The answer that is, help me, help me, help me, Lord. I have no control of this. It's kind of an amazing thing that we are fighting a disease that no one has an immunity to. Think about that. Think about that. But God does. God has an immunity to this disease. God has the power over the dominion of the earth and of the devil and all the spirits. God has those things. God has that power. And in the night when we are afraid, we ask Jesus to lift our fear and to give us peace. I can tell you it works. You may have to say it four times, five times, six times. Help me, help me, help me have mercy, Lord. And you will get that mercy. And you will get that help. Because God is within your very selves. 
I was watching a different kind of a documentary the other day about an elderly gentleman who was witnessing his faith in God during these times, and he was blind. He became blind, though, later in life. He said there was no reason to be afraid of anything, including death. As the gentleman talked about God, his face began to light up. He has no repression of his emotions on his face. He lights up and speaks about God like God is his best friend, which God is. In his non-seeing sockets, he's smiling, and he's aglow. It is with great joy to find a loving friend, to find a loving friend in our God. The past and the present still leaves us as simple, vulnerable human beings. In God, there is no past, only present, only now, and of course, the future is eternal life. Solely the present prevails. This moment, I will never say that this horrible virus is sent by God for us to take a few minutes to sit back and say, wow, why was I worried about all the superficial temporal things in my life? when I knew down deep that I needed to really search my soul and find God and put my heart to rest in him. He has always seen our entire life. He knows what we're all going through now. There, right now, therefore, there is no real cause for worry. Anything can happen at any time, in any time, meaning in any calendar day. In any hour, in any minute, life can happen for the good, for the sorrowful, for the laughter, for the joy. Life happens now. And even though we're all hunkered down and we feel afraid, we are alive. We are fully and wholly alive. And to be alive in Christ can bring a little bit more joy or a lot. One must always live from the stature of the present because there's no interest in going backwards unless you're learning something from it. Because of this, Christians should always be happy. Well, not everybody's happy all the time, and we understand that. This poor blind man, before he saw the light of Christ, this poor blind man spent his life and remember, now he's an adult, or at least he's of age. And he now speaks for himself. And it was joy. And he said, I believe. His words were joy. His words were belief. And he had spent a lifetime begging and blind. He couldn't even see the people he held his cup out to. The whole Gospel of John is unpacking and showing through our stories and our teachings and our personal stories and in John's stories, a prologue to reframe each story in the gospel, opening the dimensions of resurrection, opening the dimension of that what isn't becomes what is. That is dead becomes alive. That that has crumbled is put back together. The blind shall see, the lame shall walk. The man is born blind. He cannot see. He doesn't even know what he's seeing. And he really still has the sense of missing. 
In a way, we are born blind. Jesus says the Pharisees are blind, but they don't even know what they are missing. They don't even know what it is they don't see. Right after the man first sees, he recounts the events and the person of Jesus in general, factual terms. The man called Jesus made the mud with his saliva. The man called Jesus. Go and wash, she's told. Then he washes. Jesus is just a man. Maybe a special man, but a man. And he describes him as so, who commanded him to do something, and he does it. When the Pharisees ask where Jesus is, the man replies, I, I don't know. What characterizes the journey of the, more, of the man born blind? that he knows he doesn't know, and that not knowing, he knows enough to say, open to God's lead and be led. A blind man, because he knows that something miraculous has happened. What are you looking for, Jesus says to us. Where are you staying, Jesus says. They say to Jesus, what are you looking for? Where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. Got that right, finally. <laughs> Jesus says, come and see. The man born blind does. And yet he doesn't know where the light of the world is leaving, leading him. But he's open, and he's on his way, and he believes. How does he see? That's what the Pharisees really want to know. How in the heck does the man born blind see? What kind of witchcraft can this be? Their superior knowledge keeps them from the fascinating, of fascinating words of a miracle of how it happened. In our journeys of faith, we must always be attentive to those little things, to the little spittles, the little pieces of mud, because they are powerful, powerful signs that everything that we live with every day contains the power of Christ. Our ideas about things miss the point many times over. As a result, we have ideas that we valued from before and don't know where they're even going to take us in the future. The Pharisees keep pushing that poor man. Well, what happened? What happened? What happened? He says, I told you, I told you, I told you. But what does he say afterwards? Again, he says, I believe. Who is the Lord? Tell me so that I may believe in him, he says to Jesus. And Jesus then opens to him how he has been leading him to this moment. And he says, you have seen him. People will often talk about in their journeys of faith how at a certain point in time they come to see the hand of God at work in their lives. Where before they believed, mm, sort of, but it was opaque. Is, does God really exist? If God exists, why is this happening? The doubt, the fears. But Jesus says, you have seen me. And I am the one speaking with you. So let us open our hearts and our minds to the miraculous, to the Jesus that's speaking to us all the time. So we can say, not knowing what the future will do, we can say in our hearts, I will follow you 
Lord, I believe. Amen. So, we will have a prayer now. Lord Jesus, we believe. Bend your ear to our prayers and come among us. By your gracious life and death for us, bring light into the darkness of our hearts and anoint us with your spirit. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace and serve God. Please join us for our little gospel and reading stories during the week. They will only last about 10 minutes, but we'll find a way we can interact if we can. And I will find a way that you can get a hold of me and ask them questions, so write them down. Again, if you have a Bible in the house, and I know each and every one of you do, March 23rd, Monday, will be at 1130. It will be sent out to you, and you will listen to me speak a little, and then you'll pray on your own thoughts of, of God in these readings. The readings would be that are important right now are Isaiah 59, 9 through 19, and Acts 9, 1 to 20. So that's Acts chapter 9 to 20. Goodbye. Go with God. Amen.